Welcome back to the Funkin' Philosophers Podcast. This is Brandon, joined here by Blake and I can bench press 225, Isaac Flores. <laughs> I can bench press a lot more than that, Brandon. <laughs> Toothpick. <laughs> what, what, what did you say you were going to max out at now? now? Uh, I'm, I, I'm thinking I can get 275. 275? I mean, basically 400. So basically... Basically day. 400. <laughs> So no. five times what you weigh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. What do I weigh? I weigh like 185 or something. Oh, that's adorable. That's what I weighed at my most in high school, but it was all muscle. Yeah. It's all, it's all shifted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what you people it can't see It was up see here, is... now it's down here. And Brennan's got massive thighs. <laughs> like Squidward when he ate all of the Krabby Patties. <laughs> hey, sir, I am thick. I will have you know. Oh, God, don't ever say that again. <laughs> you are quite thick, jealous. though. Br- Brennan, does, all he ever does is squats. He's got that peach booty. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a nice, firm, muscular butt, too. Have, 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 you know. I did, do. I killed it at squats in high school. <laughs> Remember, I, I, I maxed out at, like, 495 or something, which was crazy, because I was, like, a cornerback. I had to do squats with Isaac or, like, the lineman. They didn't yeah. even let Isaac uh, spot me when I maxed out. No. <laughs> Cause my co- Bre- mainly because my coach didn't think I could actually lift it. <laughs> Brandon spent all of his time cracking walnuts in between his cheeks. <laughs> it's quite impressive. Fum batox. He's like, look, no guys, check it out. <laughs> no longer. No. So anyway, we were talking about <laughs> renewable energy. This is part two of episode five on renewable energy. <laughs> and uh Not Brandon's time... butts. <laughs> we'll make it relate. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, We'll work it in. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, so last time we left off, uh, we had just finished talking about the Green New Deal and how it's just a you know just a vague proposal for to get the ball rolling for some major government initiatives. Uh, obviously in the likes of, you know, the New Deal from the Great Depression and FDR and all of that jazz. But there's another big agreement that's been talked about and thought about a lot in the last couple of years, especially in the United States, called called the Paris Agreement, which uh, happened in April 2019, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. And the United States pulled out of. All right, so the Paris Agreement is a landmark environmental accord uh, adopted by nearly every nation in the world in 2015 to address climate change and its negative impacts. 
Uh, right now, there's 197 countries, so every nation on Earth, uh, with the last being Syria, having a, has adopted it, uh, but the United States pulled out um, in 2016, or we began pulling out, we announced that we were pulling out in 2016 when Trump was, was elected into office. Trump's, Donald Trump is a... He's a climate change denier, uh, who's called it a hoax several times, and uh, it's real reassuring. And he has a lot of climate change deniers in his administration, and that was a decision that they chose to make, which, I mean, really didn't make that huge of an impact on the U.S. Uh, just that act in and of itself because it was a pretty low bar with the Paris Agreement. It had a few things kind of laid out in it, um, it but it, you know, it was put together in two weeks by the entire United Nations, you know, and so they had to meet kind of everyone's capabilities mm -hmm. and expectations. That's a better word for it, you're right. At the same yeah. time. Which, you know, makes sense, but it, it, you know, it just, it was more the kind of thing that brings people together for the purpose of setting goals. Yeah. You know? So it's not necessarily about uh, inflicting, you know, strict requirements on, on each other. And enforcing And rules. enforcing them. Yeah. Because there's just not really any, the UN just doesn't can't operate as that sort of apparatus it doesn't have that kind of authority. it doesn't have that sort of authority no yeah. um so yeah it's more just about like hey guys like do we all believe that this is real and if we do then we does everybody promise like pinky swear that you're going to try to do something about it that's effectively <laughs> how you can look at the things like the the paris agreement which mm -hmm. makes it kind of kind of insane that the united states decided to pull out of it even though it didn't have any teeth yeah. It was just a basic, like, the the most basic thing that you could get the entire world to agree on. Mm -hmm. And we just decided to disagree. Yeah. Uh, it could have oh. very well been the case that we decided to stay in through his whole presidency and then decided to, like, just not do any of the requirements to it, and it really went, not have been a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and then come the next presidency, they would have been like, all right, now we'll actually take this seriously. Like, that's what it probably would have been if he decided to not pull out. Um, but we're in a different spot now. I mean, do you Jesus know... Christ. I didn't even future? realize it was something that simple. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that pisses me off even more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I oh mean... Oh, my God. The first paragraph on their website on the 2020 United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change website uh, is the Paris Agreement builds upon the convention and for the first time brings all nations into a common cause to undertake ambitious efforts to combat climate change and adapt to its effects with enhanced support to assist developing countries to do so. So that is another thing is it does put a requirement on the, the countries in the within the agreement to pitch in to help to help um, to help s s smaller and developing countries yeah to give aid so they could receive aid yeah yeah well and and, and share you know it could involve a lot of things like sharing technology mm -hmm. 
you know, sharing patents on things, um, making oh, this trade is America. We don't like to share. Forming trade agreements <laughs> that allow you to to transfer resources from one country to another that they need the, that they might need to carry out some of this infrastructure and all those things. You know, they, a lot can go into it, but you know, it was really a, a kind of a bare minimum deal in a lot of ways. Eh, anything to save a penny, I guess. Jesus. Anyways. You know, it, yeah, it's just a, it's a 32-page document that establishes a framework for what global climate action could be without, you know, necessarily putting the teeth in to, you know, extract out the details of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake, you uh, put in some notes on it. Did you want to add, was there anything you really wanted to add into that conversation? Well, you really, as far as, like, the Paris Agreement is concerned, um, really, a lot of my familiarity with it is in regards to just that fact that it doesn't have a lot of teeth, that it's really more of a um, suggestion or than and kind of like a guideline than any kind of rule set. Um, and while I wholeheartedly support it... Um, I would only hope that it changes in time, um, which is probably like really what it's an actor's intended on, which is kind of how I view it is that this, this is like a starting point for something to get to that point where, okay, now that we're all in this agreement to each other and we've been in it for a while, we all understand that we need to add more enforcement and rules to these things. Like that's how I see it. It's something that's a work in progress that, but the thing is how long do we have, you know? Yeah. We've talked a lot about and and the, you know the Green New Deal and the uh, Paris Climate Agreement both operate under the auspices of of setting a benchmark goal of we have to cut global carbon carbon emissions basically by eighty to hundred mm-hmm. percent by twenty fifty yeah and it, in order to stop a a t- more than a two degree increase in global temperatures, mm-hmm. but so we have to create that change to stop this warming effect by 2050. So you figure we have to have already because of that, which we talked about in the last episode, the runaway effect that we're trying to that that is coming closer and closer. You know, we're kind of getting closer and closer to that threshold. Could be could be any day now. Yeah. So there are some people who would argue that we're already past it, mm-hmm. and then, you know, there's some people who say, well, we have until like 2025 before you know. Then we only have 25 years to cut our emissions Everything down in the entire world. Yeah. By 80 to 100 percent, because yeah. that, that's something that takes a very long time, yeah. and especially like, and and you need global climate agreements like this to do it because as these you know, if you ever plan on any of these, uh, you know, third world and and just less developed countries growing their economies to compete in the global market mm-hmm. with the big guys, they have to be able to do that. Yeah. To to grow. Yeah, and like that's with, with, and you know without using fossil fuels to do exactly. It. Uh, that that brings up a pretty good point too. Is that that's maybe the biggest problem about all of this is that 
going through all of this uh, moving forward, even after the agreement's been made between all the countries, we have to somehow support um, whole new developing countries that were bigger than our own, um, and we got into our own mess like this. So all the current first world countries got to this point having damaged the environment the amount that we already have. And now we want to make sure that these remaining third world countries get to the same point that we're at, and we want to do that before or around 2050 while also cutting all those emissions down. Like, that, right. like that's the important part of uh, really developing um, alternative energies and stuff because that just highlights the biggest problem is that, like, if we were supposed to have humanity as a whole get above to the point where we're all at or we want to all be at like that involves way like just india alone is already a billion people yeah like and that's if you're just talking about america and that's yeah, three, three times india as big and china yeah both. yeah and you're already like just to get those people to the same point that we're all at here it's it's not a sustainable thing, and n uh, neither in resources nor in like energy usage for that matter, um, and how you get that energy and use it. But the, and there are so many things to consider, um, which is why things like the Green New Deal try to touch so many different areas of of of, of life and of, of politics. Things like immigration come into play because. Consider if you have, I mean, um, um, you know, imagine just as as a as a very bold example that will never happen, but just let's just throw it out there. If there were no um, border restrictions between between no immigration laws between countries, or no immigration restrictions between countries, if you had say that it's not possible which a lot of people you know a lot of people against things like the Paris Climate Agreement or against things like the Green New Deal just say look we can't support the amount of people that we pile into one place we can't create enough energy to support all of those people and all of their needs without fossil fuels well you could say well what if we spread them out Mm -hmm. how do you do that especially when when people tend to fall into pile into uh metropolitan areas just more dense places gather more people like it's almost like gravity the way that the way mm -hmm. that our societies are set up to function right they just get denser and denser and denser so in places like china you know, you have everybody piled into your major population centers. And in the U.S., everybody's piled into, like, look how many people are in California. Look how big some of the states in the middle of the country are with so few people. We need, if, if we create the ability for people to spread out more and still work their way into economies where they can find a place to fit mm -hmm. and not worry so much about where they came from or how, you know, how they got there, but treat it as... Like just being able to spread out our, our resource use, you know, then we can really we could really make start making serious headway on this stuff. But if everybody's trapped in one in one place and they have one place where they can thrive, that's where they're gonna end up. Especially all of the young people who are, 
more likely to procreate as well, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Damn teenagers. That's why there are some, some real worries from thinkers on the right, you know, especially when they're considering things like border security and stuff. Like, oh, well, this guy who's not openly supporting open borders he he's he's laying the groundwork for that you know maybe there's a little bit of 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 truth to that kind of thinking but maybe that's you know that's just thinking that's attached to how we're gonna potentially save this planet yeah in one way or another you know because from what i can tell geographically especially with these these uh you know major industrialized countries their borders seem to be pretty much pretty much drawn. There are a couple places where they're not very well drawn or where people are definitely encroaching on those. <laughs> but like the United States is pretty much sticking is getting to be as big as it is and we don't we don't not really have a problem with that because we're we're huge. <laughs> we take Rather. up a significant chunk of North America. True. But most countries don't get that. Look at the European countries. You know, look, yeah. uh you know, there are a few really big countries and then some smaller countries who are in worse places or don't have oil reserves and things like that. You know, we have to we have to think about those things when we're trying to, especially when dealing with things like climate change, because we have we need everybody to pitch in on this on this problem. And so in order for them to be able to do that, we have to help them with some of their other problems mm. so they can see this as a priority exactly and that they're prepared to take those things on and so going from there and talking about the i think the environmental impacts that we've talked about in the and the environmental needs that we have as a global community uh now let's dive a little bit into jobs mm-hmm. what do you think well yeah i mean if we're ever concerned, essentially, about the job loss or the job gain, as far as we're thinking, um, just in jobs lost to the fossil fuel industry, if we decided to switch everything over to renewable, uh, we really wouldn't have much to worry about, to be honest with you, because even just last year, we were already talking about over 335,000 jobs in the U.S. just in the solar industry. And then over 111,000 uh, in just the wind industry. That's compared to the roughly 211,000 in the coal industry and fossil fuel extraction kind of combined within the U.S. Uh, that was in 2019, um, and it's probably only gone up from there for renewables and down from there for uh, coal, even with everything that oh, yeah, Trump's it, done. It definitely has. Actually, yeah. in April 2019, renewable energy outpaced coal by providing 23% of U.S. power generation compared to coal's 20% share. That was for the, first, for the first time ever in April of last year under an, an administration that is frankly not very, not nearly as, as uh, cozy with renewable energy providers yeah. as the previous administration. We, we got rid of a lot of the grants that we had for uh for that stuff and and the uh the incentives and subsidies on things like solar panels for your house 
electric cars. You mm-hmm. actually got a tax credit for buying a Tesla for a long time, and that expired under the Trump administration. But still, renewable energy outpaced coal by about 3%, which which is incredible. Yep. Oh, that, yeah. And that's really all only considering just those two things and the renewable energy industry. There's a lot more than just wind and solar. There's basically hydrothermal or hydro, there's geothermal, there's... Uh, if you're really only talking about the energy industry, if you want to start talking about the like travel industry at all, you're also looking at like electric vehicles too, and the, all of the companies that are basically entirely centered on that right. alone. But here's the thing about um, electric vehicles right now is right now most of that energy, a great deal of that energy at least, I don't have figures on this, is actually produced by coal plants. They burn coal to create the energy that's put onto the grid that's used to charge the cars. I see. Yeah. So until we have, you know, more infrastructure doing renewable with energy, renewable energy sources, that's that's going to remain remain an issue. Well, that seems kind of counterproductive. Well, I mean, even still, at the end of the day, you're still having one less car that's using gasoline, which is another form of oil off the road. So it's, yeah, you'll still be charging it with coal, but you are technically doing better than if you were just refilling it with gas. Um, Right. Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of negating and forgetting about the fact that making that giant battery in that electric car costs a lot, environmentally speaking. Just yeah. making one lithium-ion battery for a Tesla is just, I can't even, I don't really know exactly, because I know lithium is not easy uh, or very friendly to extract. It takes strip mining. Strip mining. Yeah, okay. so you have like a big... Pretty much the worst kind the, of mining. Really the biggest the <laughs> yeah. biggest trucks you can find just digging massive holes in the ground, just like driving in a big circle. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well but, then, I guess that's progress still (laughs) (laughs) you know know, they've actually they actually developed a big a huge dump truck thing for for mining that is solar that's solar powered really yeah and uses a it uses a big battery but now like it's like totally solar because it those things spend most of their time just sitting there and they're huge, so you can put a big ass panel on it. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that. To have it be solar. And it Those can actually, it can actually go, go for a long time. Oh, yeah, they're insane. They're I've always, like, when I was a kid, I loved those they things. They can run over a normal car, yeah. literally, with the tire and just crush it. I've you seen know, a video where... I where know that, that uh, for those particular things, whenever they get transported from place to another, they actually have to take them apart because they're not, like, road safety in any way. And they no. can't fit on any road, for yeah. that matter. No. So they just have to... They disassemble them before reassembling them where they ever have to be made. <laughs> I mean... Okay. It's, yeah, I guess it's it's progress. I wasn't, you know, I'd, I'd like to see more electric vehicles and stuff, but if we can find a way to get that energy away from the coal and everything to be able to power uh, these vehicles, that's obviously better, but I guess baby steps is still movement. It's not fast enough, though. No, it probably isn't fast enough for 2050, but... Uh, oh, hell no, it's not fast enough, and I hate is, saying that, but... It's it's ha- it's happening 
pretty quickly, though, considering the circumstances. I mean, renewable energy is the fastest growing energy source in the U.S. right now. It increased 100% from 2000 to 2018. Now, that was a small, a small amount that it had to increase by 100%, but it, but yeah. it happened. Renewables made up more than 17% of net U.S. electricity generation in 2018. 17% isn't nothing, you know? No, no. Uh, it's... The, the bulk of that came from hydropower, which was 7%, and wind power, which was 6.6%. But right now, wind and uh, wind and solar together are, are about approximately fifty percent of total U.S. renewable electricity. So we have a long way to go on other forms of renewable electricity, mm-hmm. and there is always there is always nuclear power true to deal to to deal with, and a lot of people are are strongly supporting using nuclear power to kind of meet that threshold by 2050 and then the idea being that you can wean it back yeah. by building up the other industries yeah but the problem is that historically historically whatever is allowed to build that kind of market share gets a foothold in and it's really hard to push it out yeah because yeah. you're literally talking about firing people yeah and you're talking about Shutting down money. factories, yeah, yeah, turning things off. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And and so there are a lot of people making strong arguments against that because, yeah, if you if you allow that to become the thing that fills that gap, it's always just going to be the thing stay. that fills that gap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then then you got to go back to just human nature. It's like, well, why would we just stop now? It's like, well, that's not the plan. It's right. like, yeah, but it's working right now. Let's keep going and keep going. And well, and especially where the where the jobs are, you know. Yeah, and, and that might be a very negative way of thinking about it, but it, it's something I think we all have to consider, especially whenever it comes to that. It's just it's greed. Well, but it's not just greed. It's something that we come in contact with all the time, being from where we're from, yeah. which is oil country, money, and and how many people do you know? Like I've I've known uh, millionaires in the oil industry who drive Teslas, who yeah. like otherwise are who have solar panels on their houses and are otherwise like very inclined to like as a consumer and from a personal standpoint be for renewable energy, uh-huh. but who recognize it like <laughs> that non-renewable energy is what pays the bills, mm-hmm. you know, and it feeds like fuels their entire local economies. Think of how your city right right now is being rocked by these really low oil prices right now. Oh right. god. And yeah, there's there's rent houses drop in, there's people leaving. I want to say there was one company that let go 300 plus employees. Whoa. Um, I was told and yeah, this is after I mean, a it's... huge swing. How many how many places how many people flooded into that area over the last couple of years because of where the market was? Dude, I mean, we were we we're pushing numbers that not actual not inclu- including actual residents, but most weren't over close to 100,000 if not more. And there, that was that wait, was with hundred thousand where in the county or in the city? There's no way you had a hundred thousand in the city. No, in the, in the in the county. Okay, but closely surrounding our hometown in particular. Right. Not not including the only other town in the in the county, 
But so my home, my hometown is the main city, the big city in that county. And they've only ever, when I moved away from there 10 years ago, they had always hovered around 27,000 people, Jeez. maybe. <laughs> so Eddie County was probably, what, 40,000, maybe? Yeah. Uh, for most of, for my entire life, and then they just shot up to a hundred. They went more than doubled, just in a yeah. few years. Dude, and and I I went to I went to Dallas last year for some training, which it was my first time. I mean, I went there whenever I was younger, but it was my first time driving yeah. through uh, a major city like that. And I was just like, you know, seeing the the freeways and everything. I was like, oh my god, this traffic is insane. But then again, I thought I was like. Pretty close to that is the same amount of traffic we're pushing through our tiny ass town on four lanes. And I was on a like, dude, it was like a 20 lane freeway. And you're pushing that amount of traffic on four lanes. And that's it. (laughs) Dude, it, it is freaking crazy. But yeah, no, all these people losing their jobs, going back. I mean, I've, I talked to people, uh, I think the furthest away I talked, I, I talked to a guy from Maine who was simply in our area to work in the oil field hmm. from Maine because of the money. Like I said, it's just been a major uh, culture shock to our area. But, and then here recently, you know, the, the price of oils dropped. So, yeah, it's you know, that, really, really, really low, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, so gas prices drop, all the price of oil drops. So does the you know the is your gas down the yet? jobs, um a little bit. Honestly, little bit. my 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 wife's the one that fills up our vehicle. Oh, so you're not too familiar. I'm not too familiar. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and and then the city pays for for what I put in in my work vehicle. So <laughs> yeah. I just write down numbers, but it's yeah it's, it's gone down, which you know. As somebody who puts gas in my tank, that's good for me right away anyways. But for everyone else who makes money off of it, not so much. Yeah, it's. I mean, but I mean, if we can find, you know, like we've been talking, if we can find other ways of, you know, renewable energy and fuels, you know, maybe there would be more sustainable jobs in, in those areas. Mayhaps. And you'd like to hope so. I mean, we've got some major changes that we got to come up on and and quick. So, do you get to park your cruiser outside your house, or do you have to keep it at the station? Um, no, we we got take home vehicles. Oh, you have take home vehicles. Yeah. So, Wait, so well, so it's, yeah. So I I do drive it from it home the and then to work. Yeah. The exact so the same one you just take out. Do you yeah. generally get the same car? It, yeah, I've I've had the same the same patrol unit for over a year now. I know I know in like bigger cities and bigger departments they they leave them there and then like the next shift to go in and they'll swap through them. So you have multiple officers driving the same vehicle, but I get I get we get to bring ours home because we're still s- somewhat smaller department. So do you get you ever get tired of the same unit all the time? Um. I, I'd much prefer a brand. Oh, shut up! <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you miss the old days when you'd have a different unit every day. <laughs> no, I love maybe every my, night. I I love my unit that I've had for a while now. Your old fashioned unit. 
Yeah, just yeah. good, clean fun. I love the well, same, same unit. I don't need any <laughs> new units. It's reliable. You know what you're getting. Exactly. It loves me. It takes all, care of me. Protects all me. Reliable. Talk about a really like that's way better than having like an ADT th- sign outside your house. It's just like having a cruiser parked right there like all the time. <laughs> I don't, see, and I, I probably I know my neighbors love it. Therefore, I'm I'm still constantly yeah. paranoid that someone will be like, "Hey, look, there's a cop. Fuck that guy!" And it's like Throw shoot it up or something. Him. Yeah, do right. do something horribly bad. But it's just because I live in a constant state of paranoia. It's okay. It keeps you safe. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that's why I try with every interaction to be like, you know, not a douchebag. Like, well, that cop was that cop was pretty cool, but they don't I know mean, that that's mine. It's like I right. like they egg it or like paintball it, and I walk out. And they're like, oh, this one was yours. Like, yeah, like oh, sorry, it doesn't have your name on it. <laughs> Damn it. But no, I was, I was telling Blake. Uh, all right, now that he's gone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so now that he's gone, I'm going to leave everything we say in. <laughs> God pisses me off with his lack of a beard. Oh, God, I know. Fuck that guy. His That's... sweet, sultry voice. Who the fuck does he think he is? He thinks he's better than us. What kind of radio does he think we're making here? As... Think about how amazing his voice is already, but if you put that, you know, going through a beard. Oh, yeah, I mean, oh. next level. Oh, yeah, the, next, acoustics, next the acoustics of a beard <laughs> are really unmatchable. You can't, you can't fake those acoustics. Can't be done. No, that's completely true. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> but that is... But that is why we have him on the show. His his job on the show, he's our sex pe- sex appeal. Blake is yeah. the sex appeal. That God voice. The, if I God. had that... I'll tell you what. If I had that voice, I'll tell you what. <laughs> if I had that voice, Blake wouldn't yeah. even be here. I'd do the damn thing myself. <laughs> Same. We'd but have I, our own separate <clears throat> podcasts. All right. So we, we were talking about... The jobs market mm-hmm. and the green energy market. I guess did anybody have anything that they really wanted to add to that? Mm, not off the top of my head. Not that I can think of. I was just excited to. Uh, I mean, I guess we already kind of hit on it. Was the upcoming uh, like hybrid and electric vehicles? Like I was, I was telling Brandon earlier. I'm. You know, we're still headed in that direction, so I'm I'm still down for uh, acquiring one. Should uh, should that opportunity arise, I know uh, Ford is planning on coming out. I know most major uh, vehicle manufacturers do have already electric or hybrid vehicles, but I know Ford will be coming out with. You know, they've already got their sedans, and they've got the. Explorer, I believe, already available. Um, they're also working on a hybrid F one fifty, which oh. which I think is cool. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like, hey, yeah. nice, nice hybrid F one fifty. I did not see that coming, but I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Now, if we could just uh, does Toyota have one? 
I don't think they do. Yeah. I mean, Toyota has the Prius. Yeah. Uh, um, they have, well, I mean, the Prius was pre-Tesla um, days the biggest like electric car out there. Oh, car. yeah. It kind of set the uh, set the market for a low-end, yeah. you know. But, you know, today, you know, Tesla is obviously doing pretty well for themselves. The big problems with electric vehicles right now, at least in consumers' eyes, is range. There's this yeah. phenomenon that we call range anxiety. The, you know, idea that it takes it generally takes a long time to charge an electric car. Yeah. Uh, like hours and hours and hours and hours. Like the, and, and, and it highly depends on the charging technology. Mm-hmm. Some charging technology just ekes energy out and but some of them tend to be nifty because you can plug them into pretty much anything yeah uh but you know it might take 12 hours to get your car charged up you know uh and who has 12 12 hours hours you know in between trips or whatever uh sometimes you know a lot of the fast chargers will generally get you like halfway there somewhere to 50 to 75 percent or so in an hour or two, mm-hmm. which is pretty quick. There's some being developed now with the, in especially with the newer new, the brand new vehicles, can charge you up in, in like 15 minutes or so, not all the way, but like enough to get around. But mm-hmm. it makes road trips really untenable. What were you gonna say, Isaac? Uh, some of the the information that I was um, provided with that I was looking at is standard 120 volt convenience charging cord. Uh, will tr- gives an approximate time of seven hours. Now that comes with the vehicle, and then depending on, uh, you know, you can get a home charging station, uh, turbo cord home charging station, and other um, just better quality ones. Um, what I got here is showing as low as two point six hours, which I mean, you know, if you're you know plug it in at night or while you're at work or for the most part, I, I think two, a little over two and a half hours is that's reasonable. Now, if I'm mid trip across the United States though, I could see how that, how that could uh, definitely be a problem having to be stuck in, you know, hopefully you're around somewhere to where you're able to charge it first and not stuck in the middle of nowhere. But uh, I mean, right. 2.6 hours, that's, that's not bad. Well, that's why a big reason that, most of the push so far for electrified vehicles, most most of these major companies have some kind of pledge electrifying a certain percentage, usually more than half of their of their lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In some way. But most of the push has been for hybrid vehicles. True. They kinda they give you the best of both worlds. So it has an internal combustion engine, but it also has batteries. And uh yeah, the, so you can you can fill it up or you use both, but with regenerative, regenerative braking, you can charge the battery back up when you use your brakes. So it's not actually most of the time. This is an interesting thing: is with a, when all of the cars are electric, you'll almost never need to get new brakes huh. because you'll hardly ever actually be using them. You'll be using regenerative brakes, which actually use your engine to slow it down. Your engine, oh. quote unquote. To, sl- to slow it down the motors and it charges it uses the friction uses the to motor. charge it to charge it back up okay and so 
with some of these uh, like plug-in hybrids, you might not need to realistically charge your car hardly hardly ever. Yeah, yeah you know, that's that's um, that's some of the stuff that I was looking at because they've got uh, you know the hybrid, which does not have a plug with it. It charges um, as you're using it. You know the gas charges the battery, and right, it, it yeah. keeps it going. And then the plug-in hybrid, where you know you're talking, you can charge it up, or it can still run off of gas. And there's all all electrics, which no gas whatsoever. Um, I mean, there's options. Yeah, but I mean, still right now. So the hybrids, they obviously reduce emissions by quite a bit, but they don't. They don't get us to 80 to 100%. We really have to go full electric to do that. And the range is still an issue. It's yeah. supposed to be getting better. Right now, you can expect a modern electric car to get 200 to 300 miles, somewhere in that ballpark, per charge. And then you're talking about potentially waiting you know, an hour or two to have it charged up. Mm -hmm. So like, think about if you're on a really long road trip, Driving somewhere, you stop at a gas station. Do you want to stop at a gas station for two hours? Yeah. Or five hours? That's like, what do you point. do? You no, know, like, yeah. how, you know, how do you deal with that? Oh, um, hell no. Yeah, especially in the middle of nowhere. I watch horror movies. That's how you die. And so <laughs> that's why, you know, many people argue, well, so what are your options outside of... So if everybody has electric cars and they're kind of stuck in their cities, then... You know, you can either use the internal combustion engine and use buses to get people around. They take longer. But, you know, the best option realistically on longer distances is, is trains because planes are our next, are our next go-to. And they're sure, they're fast, but they also use a fuck ton of, of emissions. Yeah. <laughs> Jet fuel <laughs> is not cheap. Jet fuel uses a shit ton of... Uh, shit ton is the technical... Uh, technical term measurement too yeah yeah can 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 you google search uh, that can you look that fuels. up in the dictionary yeah yeah no problem right <laughs> but uh but it's it's literally like it's cold brew, uh jet fuel it's like it's like super 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 concentrated gasoline is a good way to think mm -hmm. of it um and that's a, another good point too is that like that that's a really glaring problem is that Planes themselves are kind of a hard thing to make into a fully electric vehicle. Um, while it can be done, and it can be done for shorter distances, at the end of the day, you come across the problem with, like, just gasoline has such a higher uh, energy density than batteries would. Um, mm -hmm. You can get so much more using jet fuel uh, to, than you could using a battery. And... There are already planes that do domestic flights that are all, like, electrically powered. But it's looking more and more like the future of air travel is probably going to be, like, hybrid planes that use it to take off and then coast, essentially, using electric uh, batteries on board. Which makes right. a lot of sense. Um, and that's because it's kind of hard to... Uh, you could throw solar panels on the wings. Yeah. <laughs> and it could charge and, it up a little bit. But, yeah. like, it just takes too much to power such a huge thing off mm -hmm. the ground and get it into flight. Um, after that, flying in the air is fairly easily and doesn't cost as much energy, but 
apparently. Like, is that going to make a big enough difference though? Because we we're still talking about getting to eighty to 50, eighty to hundred percent, right? Mm. Preferably the hundred. So, yeah, I I think personally, I just think that high speed rail is the way to go, and you know there are like Japan has fantastic high speed rail, and I don't have any any details pulled up on that, but it's something that the railroads really built America. The railroads industrialized America. That was how we we that was the first major infrastructure national infrastructure that we put in before the highway system Mm -hmm. right we did the railroads and and that was really state-of-the-art and we talked about when we were talking about the time zones the reason that time zones were invented was because the railroad created need for time zones right we built that up that was kind of the back backbone for this country especially in wartime in, in World War One, World War Two, when we, we, you know, Pearl Harbor and stuff, we felt like we needed to protect the homeland, you know, and, and be able to get equipment and stuff around and everything. That's when we decided to build the highway system mm-hmm. was, was during that time, during that industrial period. And when we did that, we pulled resources away and thought away from our railway system, and it re- we really never went back to it. And our railway system is just pretty god-awful in the the United States (laughs) compared to most of the world. Like, subways, you use trains and subways to get around all over Europe. Mm. Uh, I mean, really, even, like, at least if we're talking within cities, there are cities in the U.S. that have great public transportation and rail systems, but... How many? How many? Really, you're only... I can only count on my hand. Like one hand, really. I right. Can, I can go to Chicago, New York. Most of them and, suck. We're building a light rail system out here. It mostly sucks. It's getting mostly. Better. It's getting better. Um, I remember when everybody said it was going to be shitty. It. Yeah, everybody thought it was a waste of money, and then it's like already paid for itself. Like, yeah. Pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, but also a big problem is that we built our cities around the car. Yeah. And fitting trains into that equation. Takes really removing cars way. from this equation. Yeah. yeah. So we need both of these things to work in conjunction, and we need to build our into city plan and start transforming our cities around modes of transportation to to take advantage of high speed rail. Imagine just being able to jump on a jump on a high speed rail, and and get to you know, like get across the country in just a few hours. Yeah. You know, because you're literally going like 300 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Oh fuck! <laughs> that wanna, seems so sketchy. Uh, I want to see um, how fast they Japan's actually go. <laughs> high speed rail. I don't I, uh, high speed train. Let's see. Highest high speed train. I mean, Japan's a lot smaller too. It probably makes sense for them to use a rail system with high speed rails. But Bullet like, trains. I wonder how long really even the fastest rail would take you from like, say, San Fran to New York. Is that a math question? It is a math question. <laughs> Let's just say how, how far... It just seems so sketchy, like 300 plus miles an hour. Like, I mean, if you can get there in a couple hours, uh, the ma- I'm looking at one that's, uh, the maximum speed is 200 miles per hour. Okay. Yeah, that's that's still pretty that's... fucking sketchy, though. <laughs> yeah. It's still pretty Dude. Damn fast, yeah. That's pretty, pretty damn fast. So, it's 2,902 miles. So if you did 
to oh man i wish i had a calculator on this thing you're sitting next to one so you know maybe we develop <laughs> we develop hybrid planes that take us continent to continent you know into islands and stuff yeah see but that was gonna be my next question else that's more nearby we use trains for that middle range and we use electric cars and scooters and whatever yeah um in cities and and so in order to do that you know it used to be a major problem that taxis and uber and those more wonky rideshare fill the needs that you need for you know for most of your other travel when you do travel yeah you know but in order to get where we need to be, we need coordination between industries, and we need infrastructure, mm. and we need incentives to change the market dynamics of how people get around. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, yeah, not just the market dynamics. So you, I mean, you, you're talking about changing everybody's, you know, the way people think about these things. I mean, we're, we're changing a culture, a society. I mean, that's a... A lot. And we don't have time to just hope that the market figures it out on its own. Because the market is designed to be as efficient at creating money as it can uh-huh. with the setup that it has. Mm-hmm. Right? So until you institute changes and forces on the way that the money is that is generated in that system and regulations on the huh. way that, that that system can operate you're not going to ch- you're not going to make a, see a rapid enough change yeah. to get us to those goals that we have to meet you actually have according to, change to the rules yeah yeah in order to stop us from reaching that 2 2 degree celsius the threshold. apocalypse but is that the apocalypse what happens if we go to 4 to 4% what happens if we go to 5% well, really, just the immediate thing that everybody probably knows would happen is the ice caps would melt. Um, anything that we have left of glaciers will probably be gone um, before 2100. And sea level could rise as high as like 10 to 20 feet uh, in a lot of places. And it's strange, too, because sea level rise will vary by area because the Earth isn't a perfectly round object. Um, no, it's flat. Yes, true. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Blake, we've been over this. Duh. Jesus Christ, Blake, and we were just talking you up. You have no idea, and you got to come out with that stupid shit. <laughs> Anyways, continue. And then we have to, like, essentially, we would probably have to worry about ocean currents being disrupted at that point, because if that much fresh water falls into the saltwater system, it could literally stop the, like, whole ocean currents running through the entire globe because they all pass through and end up going through the uh arctic sorry the antarctic polar uh, vortex that happens there it's just this giant circumpolar sea current that goes all the way around antarctica and hmm. pretty easy way to disrupt it would be to just throw a bunch of fresh water into it um because it yeah it, it'd fuck it all up essentially um all right and you don't even like it's just it's incalculable how bad it could be at that point 
that's actually really crazy to think about. So, so yeah, in p parts of, you know, like, obviously there's a lot of actual continent in a Antarctica, mm -hmm. right? So actual dirt. So all of the ice that's piled on top of that came from rain. Yeah. So it's, it's not salty. There. It's fresh. Yeah. And it's also been there for tens so, of thousands and yeah, thousands of years. Yeah, changing the salinity of the, of of the, the ocean. water, yeah. of the entire ocean, mm -hmm. effectively, it can would change everything. absolutely fuck up a whole current pretty easily because... Well, in, in every ecosystem that's attached to it mm -hmm. all throughout the world, mm -hmm. they, yep. you know, certain types of fish can't live here anymore. they got to find new environments and everything. Their entire environment is going to change rapidly and coral reefs and, and other like plant life and stuff can't just change the way where it's going to grow that quickly it no. can't run from it no it can't yeah it's uh and we've already known what coral reefs do uh in situations where they can't cope with environmental stress they just die like oh, that's dude. just what happens. It's just like minor changes can just like the bleaching of the coral reefs and the great barrier reef yep is insane. Yeah. And it's happening if they don't so fast. Yeah, if the uh, temperature in the water doesn't get back to a reasonable and comfortable degree with even like 2 or 3 years it can die permanently and then it won't be able to come back. Um, and it's just this dead white husk that'll exist there forever until it eventually decays away. Coral reefs support about 25% of marine life oh, yeah. in some way or another. Yeah, they're the rainforests of the ocean, and they're rainforests on steroids because the ocean itself is already so much more biologically diverse than land. Um, For now, we're killing yeah, so much of it it's so It's a good fast. point, yeah. We can't even change our fishing habits, man. Yeah. Like, tuna tuna are going to go extinct. Pretty soon. quick here, yeah. Um, we've we're, It's got to the point where we're farming it now, we're farming most of these species, but we're not... Farming isn't keeping up, you know? Mm -hmm. And the more we deregulate... The more we deregulate fishing, it's never going to catch up because yeah. fishing will continue to have such a, a big impact until there's nothing to fish anymore. Just in the past 50 years, uh, biologists have already noticed that um, at least marine catches have steadily declined in like their actual volume um, and it's it's a recurring uh, evolutionary reaction essentially to uh, any kind of predator going after the larger fish so you, humans on general uh, will always get the bigger fish out of the net uh, we're gonna grab sure. the biggest one yeah they're the easiest to catch too easiest to catch and mass. and they always have the most amount of food or, right. like resource to them hash that out and redo it over and over and over again over the millions and billions of uh, people and over the hundreds of years that we've existed here and affected our environment, you essentially make populations of fish um, grow smaller, like in actual physical size. So, uh, right. And it can only really, it can go so far uh, to a degree, but... We're also killing all the oldest ones. Also too, yeah. Which are, you know, the more resilient and the, so like we're actually like re kind of reversing the effects a little bit of evolution and that like, like the ones, the traits that are really the strongest and, and lead to it living the longest are just wiped out over and over again yeah. and it's and it's really set even so it di it, it diminishes that uh, that natural selection process right 
So, especially because so much of marine life has such long lifespans, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in the wild, what well, can, mm -hmm. but we're, we're shrinking those lifespans. There aren't really, really ancient fish anymore, you know, because no. we've caught them. Yeah. <laughs> and we killed them. Yep. And we <laughs> ate them. Or we hung them on a wall. Oh, so or I, we I... Or we dipped them in oil. Yep. In <laughs> <laughs> more than one way. So at the end of all this, we've got some major changes, major, major changes to uh, try to accomplish in a very short amount of time. But alternative fuels is definitely a way that we can start headed in that direction, hopefully mm -hmm. sooner than later. But hopefully save the fish, and the bees. I think a, yeah, I think a lot of it is pretty exciting, though. Like, honestly, dude, electric cars... I haven't driven one, but they some of these, especially the uh, luxury brands, yeah, are actually sound kind of fucking amazing. The thing about an electric car is that it has they they tend to have a sh a shit ton of torque, and it's immediate. There's no <laughs> yeah. lag. There's no <laughs> turbo lag or anything. So so electric cars are shattering records right now because for one, all, every bit of torque that it has is available immediately. Hmm. It doesn't have to build pressure in the engine and build and, and build its torque the way that an internal combustion it engine does. It just goes. The it speed just you goes. Want it to. So you just click it on and it's on. So it'll just take off. So their 0 to 60 times are incredible. They have they have they also have extremely high horsepower. Uh, just in in general, though the main the main drawback is is the uh, is the range. They're coming out with all electric racing circuits now, which I actually oh, sort of make me want to start watching auto racing. I've never really been an auto racing fan. I watched a little bit of uh, a little bit of NASCAR when I was a kid, and I used to go to drag races. My dad used to drag race mm. when I was a kid, so I've I've always been into that a little bit, but I never really tracked it and followed it or anything. But these electric cars are fucking fast, dude. And things like the new Porsche Taycan. Yeah. Has six hundred seventy horsepower. I, I still like the all uh, all electric circuit. Ha! <laughs> no, no one. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. <laughs> the, uh, the the Taycan, I think it's the uh, Sport Turbo. Uh, has seven hundred fifty horsepower, which Jesus. I don't know. I don't know why how they get away with calling it a turbo because it's not technically now it's just a marketing term mm -hmm. anymore. It's not technically a turbo because there's no internal combustion engine to throw a turbo on. But yeah, but like you said, it's a marketing it's, thing. You hear turbo, you yeah. hear fast. These things are kind of incredible though. The amount of power that you get out of them, and if you if we find more ways to mitigate how much you need them, I really want to push for remote work. I have a job that's that I can do entirely remotely to mm -hmm. begin with, and sometimes I do, like if I'm sick or something, or ran, random times some, when the internet has gone down at the office or something, they've let me like work from home. The more we add in remote work, a of the ability to telecommute, as that increases, we won't need cars for our commutes anymore. You know, I guess it, commutes don't account for most or you know certainly not all of transportation yeah but it's it's significant it's it's like 15 percent or something oh yeah at least 
Definitely shipping services are are taken off though. And delivery services. Yeah. Especially these days. Especially in the center days. of this coronavirus pandemic. Which we haven't talked about at all. No, we haven't really, have we? Surprised. No. And how that Maybe that's a hopefully that'll be a refreshing thing. It's the we're the only guys not talking about yeah. the coronavirus pandemic. Hopefully. Even though right we just now. did. For, forget we said that. We, we just brought it up. That's all. I'll <laughs> edit this out. <laughs> so, uh, final thoughts on all of this, guys? What are your final thoughts on it, um, sir? I like I said, I'm 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 just impressed with the, you know, like Ford coming out. They have that Explorer and that F one fifty, a hybrid, possibly all electric, like work trucks. I think I think that's a crazy concept. Um, you know, it's it's scary to think to where the world is headed, and it seems like we're headed that way fast, and we need to make all these massive changes. Um, so my kids have a place, my kids and my grandkids have places to grow up in. But as far as, you know, the alternative fuels and everything, it's, I, I think it's something that we, we definitely need to push more uh, towards as a generation, as people our age and younger need to start pushing more for uh, these major changes. And also, I would totally be down to buy a all-electric Explorer or mid-sized SUV. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> they look pretty nice. Blake? Oh, well, I mean, honestly, I uh, I just like being able to share the opinions that, you know, all of us really have here about this. I'm glad we all generally have the same conclusion that this is very necessary, that uh, we all recognize the necessity of it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, every nation in the world except for ours. Every nation except for us, Nicaragua and Syria, if I remember correctly. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's, that's a really good the, point. I think both of them eventually joined the Have agreement. joined back. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So we're, but, the, um, we're the one last kid standing, standing in the corner like, nope. Uh-uh. Yeah. Not me. And I, I think it's important to remember that while it's good to support everything, like even the half measures like, you know, hybrid cars or like just certain uh, regulations in place that your leaders might, you know, push for that could be a little bit one way or another. It's still good to support anything that's going to like get you in that direction. But it might be important to just, you know, keep in mind that, we're trying to get to a goal by 2050. It's that 1.5 or 2 degree mark. And if, if that's what we're looking for, we always have to remember that when we're making decisions today. Because like, it's always got to be a little bit more than we think it should be. Um, and our leaders have to always remember, like, we should do probably a little more and commit to more things if we really want to get this thing done. Um, right, yeah, that's but probably it, re my... it requires us thinking bigger. It requires us using the government more in order to get, achieve those goals. So I think that there are some important things that play into that is one, making the U.S. government more reflective of its its populace and these ideas that we support. So democratizing the system more mm -hmm. because it is pretty pretty universal that most people in this country feel that climate change is real and needs to be dealt with. 
and very few people recognize what exactly needs to be done yeah, yeah. to make to make that happen. Mm-hmm. But you know, if we democratize the system more and support these bigger agreements and plans and initiatives and proposals for making those changes that are necessary to achieve those goals because they require so many big things like infrastructure changes, Mm -hmm. you know, and huge economic changes and could have sweeping effects to huge economies that are based around fossil fuels. Yeah. The only governments can do that. Yeah. Nobody's big enough. You can't rely on philanthropists. You can't count on Bill Gates coming in and saving the day. You know, no, that Batman's are... not real. Yeah. Don't count on a billionaire <laughs> showing up and bailing out the the entire economy. Mm-hmm. Look at look at right now, you know, how many how many billionaires are coming out and supporting supporting their industries. Mm-hmm. Right now in the middle of this of this pandemic, how many how many billionaires are coming out and doing and and bailing people out, you know, or 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 helping their local economies in ways that are that a government could do. Yeah. That's a really you know? good point. They're not no billionaires about to give every single American a thousand dollar check next week. Yeah, my, my, like, Michael Bloomberg dropped like half a half a billion dollars mm-hmm. on his presidential campaign. He could have he could have propped up whole like the farming industry, a huge part of the farming <laughs> industry, or the or the trucking industry, or or he could have just paid restaurants to stay open, you know, to so that they could support our our you know, local economies, or he could have poured that money into buying, you know, masks and mm-hmm. a lot and of other things. everything that we're needing right now. And, yeah. and he could buy everybody toilet paper, man. Like, yeah. shit, he could have bought the whole country. That, that, maybe he was just a little too late on this. If he, yeah. had, if he had waited to jump into the campaign and he just said, I'm going to be the guy who comes in with toilet paper. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's and his open logo. up my own factory that like produces toilet paper and give it away for free. You'd earn so many, bo- so he, many votes. He would have at least got a few sympathy. Clean votes, asses, yeah. twenty twenty. Hey, <laughs> that's great. But that's you know you can't expect billionaires to to do these kind of things. They're not going to. It takes a government. You know, it takes it takes tax dollars. It takes communities being invested in it. Mm-hmm. One by one, and the only way that we make sure that everybody in a community is invested in something is if they're paying taxes on it. Yeah. If you're financially invested in it, then you you care about it. Yeah. You're more likely to care about more it. More likely, at least. Yeah. Theoretically, I guess we pay for the military with tons of our dollars, and most people don't really care about it. Or yeah. Notice it. But I mean, yeah, you could probably make the argument: six cents of every ten cents you spend is on military, right now. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's a bad analogy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to fix this system, man. Jamaica tries it. I'll take care of everything. Blake 2020. <laughs> Balake. Clean it. I think I'm a good political face. He'll just be my back office, essentially. He's <laughs> he's the vice president I'll that be, actually does I'll everything. I'll be the Dick Cheney to his George W. Bush. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Yes. He'll be exactly that. Yes. But it'll be the, you know, we'll be the Democratic version of that show. You're Darth Vader. Yeah. Oh, wait, we need, we need better analogies. Why yeah, are they all better. evil oh, analogies? Yeah, they God. always have These to be the evil ones. ones. You can't have... I'm not going to vote for Darth Vader. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're I really would. voting for Palpatine. He's oh, really God. The emperor. Yeah. 
He's really in charge. Or was he? Or was he a clone of the Emperor? Oh, Jesus Christ. We've lost our way again. (laughs) That's so funny. By the way, if anybody was still curious, at 200 miles an hour from San Fran to New York would take you about 14 and a half hours. Damn. So, San Fran to New York? San Fran to wow. New York, yeah, at 200 miles an hour. So, How long would that take put in for a flight right now? How long would a flight, I want to know. San I think that's Fran probably like three or four hours. To New York flights. And then you have to assume there's stops in there, and that's like a straight right. line. How long did you say? 14 and a half. 14 and a half? Uh-huh. So this is five, five and About five and a half? half. Give or take. That's, non, I mean... Non-stop. You're also... That's non-stop. So four and a half. And then you'd have to have stops in here, and it probably wouldn't be a straight line. It's probably, honestly, if you wanted to have a train from San Fran to New York, you're probably spending a full day in a that's train. That's with current technology at 200 miles That's a good hour. point. There's that's no a good point. I believe that we couldn't make it higher. You're right. Now. It's a great point. I mean, Tesla I was like, just trying to make a vacuum tube to send a truck through. I feel like it might be a good through. thing for us to just be able to slow down, though. And to, to, and I know. To, just enjoy the it, ride. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down. I would hours. invest. Well, so think about it. If you're able, if you're telecommuting, you could potentially, you know, like railway railroad cars. I don't know if they're still like that. They used to be like, well, they're probably not, but they used to be like very high luxury. They're yeah. still pretty fancy. Um, yeah, at least the ones in Europe were. So imagine that with internet, and you would have little conference rooms or whatever. You could just go work, and you'd be working on your computer or whatever. Yeah. And you just go to the, the uh, bar cart when you want to go get a yeah. drink, and then head back over you to travel your room. Around. And you don't really have to travel for work as much. No. Because you have that things like VR step in, and, and, and pretty much anything that you need to do for work or whatever can be achieved and it'd be so from great work to remotely. Have, like, a giant rail So system. when you're traveling, it's for vacation. Mm-hmm. And then you want to enjoy it, so it wouldn't be as big a deal that it yeah. takes five and a half, that it takes fourteen and a half instead of five and a half, potentially. You yeah. know, changes people. That's what we're aiming right. for. <laughs> changes all I over. I feel like I've I feel like I've heard this slogan before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very true. <laughs> Clean asses, twenty twenty. Well, guys, at the at the end of the day, I like to say that I did learn a great deal about alternative fuels that I wasn't too uh, knowledgeable <laughs> about before. You know, we, we talked about the Green New Deal. We talked about the Paris deal. Uh, we talked about the major changes that we needed to accomplish uh, in the next, what was it, 50 years? Uh, actually, 30. 30, 30 years. years. Jesus. You know, to, to be able to keep ideally sustaining life. You know, we went over hybrids, you know, all electric vehicles, different forms of transportation. You know, we touched a little bit on other alternative fuels in the process to be able to come to this 80 to 100 percent that we need to obtain. And it was fun. Like I said, we learned some things on the way, laughed a little bit. Man, it's going to be on to the next one. So everybody stay tuned. We got plenty plenty more uh, great content coming your way so keep listening thank you
Thank you.